Hi, everybody. Hey, welcome to uh, River Glen. How's everybody doing? Oh, good. Beautiful day out there, isn't it? Brought along my new smartphone. And uh, a couple months ago, my old cell phone died. And I, uh, I got my first smartphone. How many of you have a smartphone? Quite a few hands, yeah. You know, I didn't think I would enjoy it that much. I am just loving this thing. Now that I've entered the world of uh, apps. Apps are these little... Uh, uh, computer functions that uh, your phone performs that are, are helpful. And I want to show you some of the apps that I've started using on my phone here. And because uh, you might want to check these out. All right. First one that I put on my phone is uh, the River Glen app. Yeah. How many of you have the River Glen app? Oh, yeah. Good. Good. You know, lots of information there about all the ministries and events going on around here. And if you have trouble falling asleep at night, uh, you can watch one of my sermons on video through this app. Put you right to sleep. All right. All right, that's the first one. And then a uh, second one here is, uh, oh, yeah, MLB at bat. Anybody have this one? Anybody besides me? Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? If you're a baseball fan, it is heaven. I mean, lots of details and information. And what I like the best about uh, this, this app is I can listen to the Brewer game or any baseball game wherever I go through the app on my uh, phone. And, and so I don't have to wait until later to find, the, find out the score. You know, I, I find out that the Brewers lost, I mean, right when it happens, because of this app here on my uh, phone. They won today, so that was good. Yeah, I, I used my app and uh, followed the game, so uh, that was great. All right, um, hey, one more app that you may not know about, but it is awesome, is called uh, RunP, and uh, it is what you think it is. Here's what this is all about. This app tells you the point in the movie when you can get up and go to the bathroom, okay? Is that not awesome? And, you know, when you get older, like I am, you know, you need to know this. And, uh, you, you know, here's how it works. You just type in the movie you're watching, and it, it gives you a brief plot summary. It gives you the minute marks, and it gives you a brief plot summary. It doesn't tell you the whole story. It gives you a brief summary. And uh, here's what's great. It tells you how long you can be gone. And uh, that's great. Now, I don't get any money from uh, Run P. I uh, just want you to know it's, uh, it's out there, and uh, it's just a great uh, app. Now, today, obviously, we're talking about things that are much more important than, you know, when to go to the bathroom and baseball scores and all that. Today, we're continuing this series called Beyond Ordinary because nobody wants to live an ordinary life, especially when extraordinary is possible with God's help. And so we began a series talking about beyond ordinary honesty, and then last week, no ordinary forgiveness, and now this week, no ordinary anger. And we didn't just choose these topics, you know, randomly. Uh, they, they all come from the New Testament book of Ephesians, Paul, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And so take a look at this famous verse about anger in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Paul doesn't say, don't sin by getting angry, right? He says, don't sin by letting anger uh, control you, because the emotion of anger itself is not a sin. The emotion is not the problem. It's how we handle the emotion that, that can be the problem that leads to, to sin and destruction. Do you know that there are over... 250 references in the Bible to God's anger, and God never sins. And so Paul, he leaves some room here for anger. And then look at what he says next here. He says, uh, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, okay? In other words, don't carry anger from, from one day to the next. Don't carry um, anger from one relationship to the next. Paul says, don't go to bed 
uh, angry. And so here's what he says, kind of summarizing this scripture. Don't let anger control you. Don't let it consume you. Don't let it own you, okay? Don't get angry over the wrong things or little things that don't matter. And don't go to bed angry. And so here, here, here's my point. If, if we can handle it and manage it, like Paul says for us to do, before bedtime, there must be an app for it, right? There must be a way for us to manage it. And that's what I'm going to show you today is this app in the Bible for anger. And we're going to learn how to use it. Before we dig into it, I thought it might be good for us to do a little group therapy here and just kind of admit some, some, some ways that we might struggle with anger. And so I'm going to show you a series of four pictures. And by show of applause, I want you to, I want you to let me know which one of these situations drives you to the boiling point the most, drives you to the anger point uh, the most. All right, here's the first one, all right? Take a look at this one. And uh, this is traffic, all right? And yeah, a few. Okay. Yeah, I, that can be frustrating, you know, when you're, you know, you're trying to get home or you're trying to get to work and you, and you hit some, some uh, traffic, right? All right. All right. Let's take a look at the next one here. Yeah, man. You know, if that's you, okay, if you, if you do that, you need to be baptized like five times. All right. That's wrong right there. All right. That's of the devil right there. All right. Let's look at the next one. All right. Oh, yep. Squeezing the toothpaste in the middle here. Anybody get frustrated with that? All right, let's just admit it. Does anybody here squeeze the toothpaste in the uh, uh, middle? A few of you, all right. All right, now there's a right way to do this, okay? You, you, you start at the bottom, right? And you roll it up. That's the way of God, okay? All right. All right, let's look at the next one here. I think we got one more. Yeah, okay, the express lane here. Uh, how many of you get frustrated by that one? Yeah. You know, I love this picture. Somebody can't count to 15. You see how they have three hands up here? <laughs> And you probably this happened where you're in line, you know, you got your loaf of bread, and the person in front of you, they're shopping for a boy's ranch, and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't believe this is uh, happening. And uh, that just drives us kind of crazy. Now, I realize these may seem like simple things and surface things, but all of us have things that get under our skin and make us angry. And so I thought before we look at God's app and figure out how to deal with this, that we should also at least acknowledge how we deal with anger right now, because I think we all have some different ways, different anger styles. And so we put some blanks on your outline. You may, you may want to pull out your outline and, uh, so you can follow along. And uh, what I'd like you to do is I want you to grade yourself as we go through these different anger styles. Just quietly score yourself. You don't have to stand up or applaud or point uh, to anybody. But if this is your style, okay, I want you to give yourself a five. If this is full on you, and if this is never you, you know, give yourself a one. If this is you, you know, every now and then, give yourself a three. Now, some of you maybe will have one style. Some of you maybe have multiple styles. Some of you might have all of these. So we're going to go through this kind of quickly, and I want you to grade yourself, all right, as we go through these. All right, let's start with the first one here. And uh, this is the toddler anger style. And I think we all know what this is, right? This is the kid, you know, you see maybe at Walmart, right, somewhere in Walmart, and he sees something that he wants, and he can't have it. And so he just yells, you know, mine, mine, mine. I want it. I want it. I want it. And you hear, and you hear the yelling and the kicking and screaming. And here's what I discovered. You know, that can happen when you're three. That can happen when you're 30. That can happen when you're 60. For some of us, our anger style is to just throw a fit, put our foot down and say, I want it. You know, it's mine. Okay, if that's your style, you know, you're the toddler, own it. 
All right, go ahead and give yourself a five. Uh, that's your anger style. All right, here's the next one. Second one is the uh, trash compactor, okay? The trash compactor uh, squeezes all the trash down inside. And, uh, but, the, but the trash compactor, here's the thing. The trash compactor looks nice, doesn't it? It looks shiny, just like all the other appliances in your home. But when you get up close to the trash compactor and you open it up and you look down in there, you know, you see a week's worth of garbage and it stinks and it can make a mess. And you know what? That's how some of us are uh, with our anger. We look pretty good, you know, on the outside and, you know, everything's fine, you know, serenity now, but we're pressing it down. We're just pressing it down on the inside. I heard about this couple and uh, he would always yell and scream, and she would just sit there, and uh, she would just go, oh, yeah, uh-huh, yep, that's fine. And un until one day, after an argument, he finally said, how do you stay so calm when we fight? How do you deal with your frustration? And she said, oh, I just go and clean the toilets. And he said, well, how does that help? She said, well, I use your toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of you are writing that down. Don't write that down. <laughs> Don't do that. But here's what happens for those of us that are trash compactors. We press it down. We press it down and act like everything is fine. But one day, guess what? It begins to leak, right? And it begins to stink. And it stinks the most to those that are closest to us. And that may be your anger style. And here's the third one, the terminator. All right? Yeah. This is the person who just goes absolutely berserk. They yell, right? They shout. They swear. You know, they punch holes through drywall. They kick small animals. They get in the car, and they squeal the tires. And then they, and then they say what? I'll be back, right? Yeah, and the family clutches themselves in fear. You know, he's going to be back. He's going to be back. And then oftentimes, this kind of behavior is just all over the map. You know, this, this, this guy just goes berserk, and then, and, and then he comes back home, and he goes, hey, Let's go get some ice cream. And you're kind of nervous about it because, you know, it's one extreme or the other. That's the Terminator style. And if that's your anger style, you just kind of manic all over the place, score yourself on that one. All right, here's another one. Number four, the stealth bomber. This is the one you never see coming. This is the one that just kind of lurks around in the middle of the argument. They act like everything is fine. And then out of nowhere, boom. You know, they fire off a sarcastic missile that just devastates everybody. And I'll be honest with you, you know, we're, this is church, right? And, uh, you know, we're all friends here. I have flown this plane here many times. Yeah. And I will fire off that missile, and I will think everything is great, and that I've succeeded, and I've just laid waste to everybody that I love. And maybe that was your style, or maybe that is your anger style. Go ahead and score yourself. And then here's the last one. How about the prosecuting attorney? Because when you get angry, you don't get hysterical, you get historical. And you don't wait for the fight. I mean, you, you go to the fight. You bring the fight to them. You sit them down in a room, and it's like you put them on the defense stand, and you start telling them all the things that they've done wrong and how it made you mad. And you've got charts and timelines and graphs, and you bring in witnesses to prove that you're right and they're wrong. And you work through all the data, and then you close your case, right? And uh, if you're like that, give yourself a five because that's your anger style. All right, so all of us have things that get under our skin and make us angry. And all of us have got these predictable, ordinary ways of dealing with anger. And the anger itself may not be wrong. It may be funny. 
But so many times, it extends in ways that are not funny. And very often, our inability to deal with anger will lead to destruction in our, in our relationships and in our marriages, and it'll lead to breakdowns in our families and, and even end lives. There's, a, there's an old saying that when anger gets the best of you, it brings out the worst in you. And that's true, isn't it? But I've got some good news for you. If you're angry, there's an app for that. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to James chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, it's, uh, if you go to the middle and then go to the right, it's kind of near uh, the end. And while you're turning there, let me go ahead and tell you that uh, the guy who wrote this book named James also just happens to have been the, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of, of Jesus. Uh, James and Jesus both had uh, the same mother, Mary, but James' father was Joseph and Jesus' father uh, was, was God, and that made them half-brothers. And let me also tell you that one of the reasons I believe in Jesus is because of James. Think about this. For much of his life, James didn't believe in, 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 in Jesus. I mean, if, imagine this. If, if your brother said, I'm the son of God, would you believe it? I mean, that would, that would be hard to believe, wouldn't it? That would take some convincing. And we never really hear about James until after Jesus resurrects and comes back to life. And, and suddenly, James is not only a follower of Jesus, he's one of the leaders in the church. And he dies for his faith because he believed it to be true, and he was an, an eyewitness. And so, so James writes this little book that circulates among Christians in the first century, and many people think James is one of the most practical books in the Bible. And so if you're new to Bible reading, it'd be a really good place for you to start. So let's take a look at this uh, together, beginning in James chapter 4, verse 1, where he deals with the issue of anger. And he starts with this question. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? In other words, what makes you angry? What is it? What makes you mad? What is it that really drives you to fight and argue with other people? Now, I'm just guessing here, but many of us would probably answer it this way. We'd say, you know, I get angry uh, because my husband's never around. I get angry because my, my wife criticizes me. I get angry because my neighbor does this, or my, I get angry because my friend uh, does that. And what I've discovered is that many times when people answer this question of what makes you angry, you know, many of us will say that the problem is around or among me. In other words, if they would only do things differently, if they would only fix that, if they would only do better, then, then everything would be okay. Because the problem is among us. The problem is around us, which, which really means it's not my fault. And if it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault, right? And so we've got a reason to be angry, and, and, we, and we blame others. We justify our anger. But James says, before you go any further, it's deeper than what is among or around you. Look at what he says next here. He says, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? He says, you know, your anger is not really between you and another person. Your anger is not really between you and your circumstances. The problem with your anger is an internal conflict. The, the problem with your anger is not out here, it's in here. Look at what he says next in verse 2. You want uh, what you don't have. Let me stop right there. James says, do you know why we get angry? Do you know why we get mad? Do you, do you really know why we, we, we fight and argue with, with other people? It's because we wanted something and we didn't get it. And now we're angry about it. Now, now, if you're a parent, you've seen this play out with your kids, right? Our, maybe one child has a toy or a bigger dessert or the front seat in the car. 
And, uh, you know, the other child wants the toy or the front seat or the bigger dessert. And so this fight breaks out. But it's really not about the toy or the dessert or the front seat. Here's the issue. One child is not getting what he wants. And he gets angry. And we do the same thing as adults. It may be something as small as our plans for next Saturday or maybe something as big as our plans for retirement. But we had a preconceived idea of what we wanted and how things would work out. And when they didn't work out our way, we got angry. And I want you to notice this. James applies this across the board to every angry person. You might even have a valid reason. You know, he said that he would uh, keep his promise, and he didn't. She said she'd always be faithful, and she cheated on me. I thought for sure I would get a raise at work, or I thought I would always have this job, and things didn't work out your way. And maybe you're the victim. Maybe you wanted the right thing. But James says it boils down to one fact. Underneath my anger, I wanted something. And I didn't get it. And, and for some of us, we've, car- we've carried that anger for years. And then James tells us what's going to happen if we don't manage our anger. If we don't learn how to manage it. Here's what he says in verse 2. So you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. Now notice this word kill here. Okay, Some of you are... You notice that word kill, and you're like, wow, I've I've gotten angry, but I've never never killed um, anybody, and that may be true, but he's really talking about how anger will get you so mad because you didn't get what you wanted that you will stop at nothing to either ruin their joy for having it or to take it back for yourself. I mean, think about some of the things we've done out of anger, the affection that we've withheld, the cold shoulder that we've given the lies that we told, the the way that we erupted, the hurting and cheating on each other, all to make things even and get what we want. And so James says, be careful because anger can lead you to attack someone because you want something so badly. You know, it's kind of like James says that we treat other people uh, like a a sponge. You know, we have these other people that, that are in our life and we expect them to do something for us. We expect them to fix us. We expect them to meet all our needs. And so here's what we do. We just squeeze the life out of them to try and get what we want. Uh, for example, you know, very often this happens when a couple uh, gets uh, married. And, uh, you know, we've got a blue sponge here and uh, a pink sponge here for this couple that gets married. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they love each other, right? They're so happy with each other when they get married. And... And, you know, she says, I'm going to serve him, and he's going to meet all my needs. And, and he says, I'm going to serve her, and, and she's going to meet all my needs. But after a period of time, they get married, they're, and they're happy for a while. But then after a period of time, they discover, you know, something, I need a little bit more. I need more time. I need more affection. I need a little more sex. I need more attention. I need more whatever it is. And so here's what they do. He squeezes her to try and get what he wants, and she squeezes him, you know, to try and get what, uh, try to get some things from him. And this goes back and forth, you know, between them. And this is not, you know, tender and affectionate, you know, squeezing and hugging and, and that kind of thing. This is just squeezing the life out of the other person because you're not meeting my needs. You're not fulfilling uh, my desires. In other words, I'm angry because you're not giving me what I think I want. 
and, and need. And then this couple decides to have a, a child, right? And uh, purple here. And they want the best for their child, right? I mean, we all want the best for our kids. But if we're not careful, slowly we can squeeze our kids for things we want for ourselves. Maybe we try and live vicariously through our kids. I never got a, a, a scholarship, and so you're going to study every night. I never got to play baseball. You're going to play every, every night. Or we squeeze our kids to try and look good, uh, make us look good in front of other parents. We can just squeeze the life out of our kids. We can do the same thing with our, with our job, with our boss, our employer, green, money. And so we expect our job, our boss, to fulfill all our financial issues. Maybe I've made a mess out of my finances, but I need you to give me a raise. I've got these dreams, and I need you to put me in the right position. And we squeeze the life out of our boss, out of our coworkers, and, and other people as well. And slowly but surely, we can just squeeze the life out of other people because we want something and we don't get it. You know, maybe you've heard this before that we tend to hurt the people closest to us the most. You ever thought about why we do that? Here's why. It's because we feel like they should meet all our needs. And when they don't, we pressure them to fulfill our desires. And as a result, we just ruin our relationships. I mean, haven't you been on the receiving end of this? When, when somebody, whether it was a a parent or a child or a friend or a coworker, just squeeze the life out of you because you were the one that was supposed to meet their needs. You know what that feels like? And we do the same thing to each other. But the problem is no one person will ever be able to meet all your needs that you have in your life. And so James begins to get to the solution. Look at what he says next here. He says, you don't, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And here's what James says. He says, in all this talk about sponges, we forgot about the big sponge. We forgot about God. And you don't have, he says, because you don't squeeze God. He says, you don't have what you want because you're so busy squeezing other people, and they can't really give you what you need. James says, are you angry? There's an app for that. Squeeze God. And here's why James tells us this, because in chapter 1, verse 17, he's already told us the kind of God that we serve. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from God the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So where do the good gifts come from? They come from, from, from God. And he says, our problem is that we try to find our own good gifts by just squeezing the life out of other people around us. And we should be squeezing and asking God. Now, now here's what James is, is not saying, okay? I want to make sure you understand. He's not saying, you know, never confront these people. He's not saying never ask these people for what you need or, or, or never be real. No, James simply says, before you go to them and get angry and try to squeeze them, squeeze on God. Ask God for what you need. And so here's how this would look, okay? If you feel lonely in your life and you have these relationships in your life, you have these other people in your life and that you normally squeeze on, you know, I need more time, I need more attention or whatever it is, before you do that, go to God and say, you know, God, I'm feeling lonely. I feel like I need more time from the, from the people around me. And so God... Would you provide that for me? And then sit down and, and talk with these people, and maybe they say yes, uh, maybe they say no. If they say no, you know, go back and squeeze more on God. 
But here's what's going to happen. Even if they say no, you've avoided the fight. You've avoided the conflict because you took it to God first before you took it to other people. And so if you're angry, you know, don't squeeze the life out of each other. James says, we do not have because we do not ask God. And God is the giver of all good gifts. All right, now some of you are feeling a little bit leery because this verse sounds like God is this genie, right? And, you know, that he gives us whatever we ask for. Maybe some of you are feeling excited, like, hey, God's a genie. That would be really uh, great. James knows this. And so he tells us in this next verse, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Here's what he says. He says, he says the God we serve is not a genie, and he's not just a dispenser of gifts. He's our heavenly father. And every good father knows when to say yes and knows when to say no. Our youngest son uh, is named Ryan, and uh, Ryan is the uh, sweetsaholic in our house. I mean, he's, he's, he's always loved, you know, cookies and ice cream and cake and, and soda, especially when he was a little kid. I remember we would be out somewhere when he was little, and, you know, he would ask for something. And sometimes I would say, yeah, you know, here's some candy. But a lot of times, I would have to say no. Otherwise, I mean, that's all that he would eat would be cookies and candy and ice cream and soda. A lot of times I had to say no to sweets. And the same thing is true for us. We may squeeze God for what it is we want, and God may say no because he knows that's not really what we need. That's not really best for us. And maybe our motives are messed up, and we may not even know it. But we serve a good heavenly father. And in those moments when he says no, we've got to be willing to say, I trust you. See, here's the thing. If we squeeze on, you know, these other people uh, in in our life, you're not always going to get what you want, okay? And if you squeeze on God, okay, you're not always going to get what you want. But if you go to God first, you will be able to handle other people and situations so much better because here's what you will get. You will get peace, and that's what you never get. Peace when you go to God first, and that's what you never get when you just try and squeeze the life out of other people. All right, now here's a couple questions I want you to wrestle with this week. Here's the first one. Do I really believe that all my problems are you know, around me and among me? Or have I figured out that what makes me angry is within me? And once I begin to figure that out, what is it that I really want? Is it time? Is it friendship? Is it affection? What do I really want? And let me, let me, let me go to God with that first. I mean, think about this. Isn't that what you want your spouse to do? You know, to squeeze on God before you? Isn't that what, what you want your kids to do, to squeeze on God before they, before they go to you. Isn't that what you want your parents to do? To squeeze on God instead of, you know, squeezing the life out of, out of you. Then why don't we take the initiative and set the example and start doing that? Because I believe if we, be, if, if, if we begin by going to God first, it'll change our relationships. And we won't have families full of anger. We'll have families full of peace. I want to close with this example of somebody who did this. On the night before uh, Jesus was crucified, he was feeling pretty stressed out. Yeah, part of Jesus was, didn't want to go to the cross because of the physical pain and the torture. And so the night before, he went to a garden with his disciples. You know, if I were Jesus, 
that night in the garden and I've got my disciples around me, I would have gotten angry with them. And I would have said something like, you know, I have to die on a cross because of your ridiculous sins. It's not my fault. You know, if, if, if you guys wouldn't have sinned, I wouldn't be in this mess that, that I'm in. I didn't do anything wrong. But Jesus didn't act like a toddler or the Terminator or the trash compactor or any of these other anger styles. Jesus went to the garden, and, and he took the issue to God, didn't he? He went to God in, in prayer. He didn't squeeze on the people around him. He squeezed on God. He asked if there was any other way around the cross. And what did God say? God said no, because the cross was the best way. And Jesus trusted God the Father, and he took no for an answer. And he managed his anger, and he gave the greatest gift in the history of the world. And so today, as we share communion, I want you to think about how Jesus not only sacrificed himself on that cross to pay for our sins, he also set an example for us on how to manage anger. Now, if you're new to communion, okay, it's okay to take a pass on this, but our communion is open to, to anyone who believes in, in Jesus to remember what Jesus has done for us and to remember there's an app for anger. Don't squeeze on the people around you. Squeeze on God, and that leads to peace. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the many relationships you've allowed us to have. I, th I thank you for the people that you've put in our lives. And I recognize that in many cases, those relationships have hurt us in some kind of way, but Father, we've also hurt them as well. And so, Father, right now at this moment, I know that there are a lot of hearts that are hurting and, and feeling wounded and feel like the life's been squeezed out of them. And I pray that our decision is to run back to you rather than just lash out at other people. God, there are some of us that have been squeezing the life out of people in our lives, and we can't figure out why they keep running away. God, may we just back off and go to you first and speak to them in love. God, I know it's your desire for marriages to flourish and for families to succeed and for them to be great because of proper conflict management, proper anger management. And so I pray the journey begins right now for everybody listening at this moment to make the decision today that I'm going to lean into you and go to you first before anybody else. And God, as we move into this time of communion, I ask that you just let our hearts center on you one more time through remembering the way that you have sacrificed your son so that we could be free from our sin and have the ability to come to you and pour our hearts out and squeeze at the goodness of you, God so that we can find the life that we really want and need. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.